Chapter Six of the Efficiency Expert by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Six: Harold Plays the Raven. Mason Compton, President and General Manager, sat in his private office in the works of the International Machine Company, chewing upon an unlighted cigar, and occasionally running his fingers through his iron-gray hair, as he compared and recompared two statements, which lay upon the desk before him. "'Damn strange,' he muttered, as he touched a button beneath the edge of his desk. A boy entered the room. "'Ask Mr. Bince if he will be good enough to step in here for a moment, please,' said Compton. And a moment later, when Harold Bince entered, the older man leaned back in his chair and motioned the other to be seated. "'I can't understand these statements, Harold,' said Compton. "'Here is one for August of last year, and this is this August's statement of costs.' We never had a better month in the history of this organization than last month, and yet our profits are not commensurate with the volume of business that we did. That's the reason I sent for these cost statements and have compared them, and I find that our costs have increased out of all proportion to what is warranted. How do you account for it? Principally the increased cost of labor, replied Bince. The same holds true of everybody else. Every manufacturer in the country is in the same plight we are. I know, agreed Compton, that this is true to some measure. Both labor and raw materials have advanced, but we have advanced our prices correspondingly. In some cases, it seems to me that our advance in prices, particularly on our specialties, should have given us uh, even a handsomer profit over the increased cost of production than we formerly received. In the last six months since I appointed you assistant manager, I am afraid that I have sort of let things get out of my grasp. I have a lot of confidence in you, Harold, and now that you and Elizabeth are engaged, I feel even more inclined to let you shoulder the responsibilities that I have carried alone from the inception of this organization. But I've got to be mighty sure that you're going to do at least as well as I did. You have shown a greater deal of ability, but you are young and haven't had the advantage of the years of experience and made it possible for me to finally develop a business second to none in this line in the West. I never had a son, and after Elizabeth's mother died, I have lived in the hope somehow that she would marry the sort of chap who would really take the place of such a son as every man dreams of, someone who will take his place and carry on his work when he is ready to lay aside his tools. I like your father, Harold. He was one of the best friends that I ever had, and I can tell you now what I couldn't have told you a month ago, that when I employed you and put you in this position, it was with the hope that eventually you would fill the place in my business and in my home of the son that I uh, never had. Do you think Elizabeth guessed what was in your mind? asked Bince. I don't know replied the older man. I have tried never to say anything to influence her. 
Years ago, when she was younger, we used to talk about it, uh, half-jokingly, and shortly after you told me of your engagement, she remarked to me one day that she was happy, for she knew you were going to be the sort of son I had wanted. I haven't anybody on earth but her, Harold, and when I die she gets the business. I have arranged it in my will so that you, too, will share and share alike in profits after I go. But that will be some time. I'm far from being an old man, and I am a mighty healthy one. However, I should like to be relieved of the active management. There are a lot of things that I've always wanted to do that I couldn't do because I couldn't spare the time for my business. And so I want you to get thoroughly into the harness as soon as possible, that I may turn over the entire management to you. But I can't do it, Harold, while the profits are diminishing. As the older man's gaze fell again to statements before him, the eyes of the younger man narrowed just a trifle as they rested upon Mason Compton, and then as the older man looked up, Bince's expression changed. "'I'll do my best, sir,' he said, smiling. "'Of course I realize, as you must, that I have tried to learn a great deal in a short time. I think I have reached a point now where I pretty thoroughly grasp the possibilities and requirements of my work, and I am sure that from now on you will note a decided change for the better on the right side of the ledger.' "'I am sure of it, my boy,' said Compton heartily. Don't think that I've been finding fault with anything you've done. I just wanted to call your attention to these figures. They mean something, and it's up to you to find out just what they do mean. And then there came a light tap on the door, which opened immediately before any summons to enter had been given, and Elizabeth Compton entered, followed by another young woman. Hello there, exclaimed Compton. "'What gets us out so early? And Harriet, too. <laughs> There's only one thing that would bring you girls in here so early.' "'And what's that?' asked Elizabeth. "'You are going shopping, and Elizabeth wants some money.' They all laughed. "'You're a regular Sherlock Holmes,' exclaimed Harriet Holden. "'How much?' asked Compton of his daughter, still smiling. "'How much have you?' asked Elizabeth. I am utterly broke. Compton turned to Bince. Get her what she needs, Harold, he said. The young man started to the door. Come with me, Elizabeth, he said. We will go out to the cashier's cage and get you fixed up. They entered Bince's office, which adjoined Compton's. Wait here a minute, Elizabeth, said Bince. How much do you want? I'll get it for you and bring it back. I want to see you a moment alone before you go. She told him how much she wanted, and he was back shortly with the currency. "'Elizabeth,' he said, "'I don't know whether you have noticed it or not, because your father isn't a man to carry his troubles home. But I believe that he is failing rapidly, largely from overwork. He worries about conditions here which really do not exist. I've been trying to take the load off his shoulders so that he could ease up a bit.' but he has got into a rut from which he cannot be guided. He will simply have to be lifted completely out of it, or he will stay here and die in harness. Everything is running splendidly, and now that I have a good grasp of the business, I can handle it. 
don't you suppose you could uh, persuade him to take a trip i know that he wants to travel he's told me so several times and if uh, he could get away from here this fall and stay away for a year if possible it would make a new man of him i am really very much worried about him and while i hate to worry you i feel that you are the only person who can influence him and that something ought to be done and done at once why harold exclaimed the girl there's nothing the matter with father he was never better in his life nor more cheerful that is the side of him he lets you see replied the man his gaiety is all forced if you could see him after you leave you would realize that he is on the verge of a nervous breakdown your father is not an old man in years but he has placed a constant surtax on his nervous system for the last twenty-five years without a let-up and it doesn't make any difference how good a machine may be it is going to wear out some day and the better the machine the more complete will be the wreck when the final break occurs as he spoke he watched the girl's face the changing expression of it which marked her growing mental perturbation you really believe it is as bad as that harold she asked it may be worse than i think he said it is surely fully as bad the girl rose from her chair i will try and persuade him to see dr earle the man took a step toward her i don't believe a doctor is what he needs he said quickly his condition is one that even a nerve specialist might not diagnose correctly it is only someone in a position like mine who has an opportunity to observe him almost hourly day by day who would realize his condition i doubt if he has any organic trouble whatever what he needs is a long rest entirely free from any thought whatever of business at least elizabeth it will do him no harm and it may prolong his life for years i wouldn't go messing around with any of these medical chaps well she said at last with a sigh i will talk to him and see if i can't persuade him to take a trip he's always wanted to visit japan and china just the thing exclaimed bince just the thing for him the long sea voyage will do him a world of good and now he said stepping to her side and putting an arm around her she pushed him gently away no she said i do not feel like kissing now and turning she entered her father's office followed by bince end of chapter six